Having banished the construct to defeat, the party was able to investigate Elrise's study. Grana pulled out a familiar tome to find information on a mother tree in the boggy mists that creates a sparkling dew which has incredible healing properties. As she read, Yevon discovered a journal that contained relatively more recent scribbles from Elrisk, mentioning plainer study, mention of a devil named Gazarat, and written on the last page were the ominous words, The eyes, the hand, the sword, the mind, in life and death and evil binds. They decided to go back to the black market, and Cormeth rushed down the stairs to head out, reaching the bottom in time to see goblins stealing their cart. After attempting to jump on without success, Cormeth was taken down by a shot from another goblin thief. Weakened from the battle, Cormeth went down, but Grana made it downstairs just in time to save him from dying. After taking time to rest, they went to the black market, and Yevon had a dagger blessed by a merchant. When they returned, Liero had found a vehicle the college had used for long journeys, called a Skyspeeder, a railed vehicle with a flat front and a living cabin for storage and sleeping in the back. She was raising the top mast and introduced them to the vehicle. After they voted to make Grana captain, she attuned with the Skyspeeder and they left to the boggy mists, but not before Cormeth gave Liero a hand axe to defend herself with. Even took time as they headed north to attune with his new dagger, and as he thought of his past experiences with lightning, he was struck by an arconic bolt and was granted resistance to lightning damage. Additionally, Cormeth learned and perfected the twerk. The boggy mists appeared suddenly, and Grana felt a connection to the bog, so she could feel that the trees were unhappy. They entered the mist, and after a while of traveling, they were ambushed by goblins, who they were able to handily defeat except for the final goblin, who warned them only that they would regret this and dove off the ship, disappearing into the mist. Cormeet spotted a tree with the symbol of the stone fist carved into it, and when they took a closer look, Grana noted that the rot was in the same pattern as the sores that appeared when her neighbors got the waking scourge. A Yuan-Ti named Gobi Waterwalker greeted them and took them to his village, noting that Elris had been there years ago. They met Buell, leader of the frog people Bullywogs, who told them the Krokratoi goblins were harvesting the mother tree of her magic and needed help to stop it. As he noted that they were not wearing protection from the mist, Grana was swept away, lost in the fog. I'm going to start us off with uh, Cormeth and Yevon. Uh, so this is going to be obviously a little bit divided up here, so we're going to switch back and forth until you all are reunited again, but I'm going to start there. Cormeth uh, and Yevon, uh, you hear Bull, the leader of the Bullywogs, say that he's surprised that you aren't wearing anything to protect you from the fog. Uh, and as you all hear that, you... Uh, shake off this feeling of uh, confusion, uh, and as you do, you notice that Grana is gone. What? What? Where did? Where did Grana go? Bull, did you have something to do with this? Uh, Bull uh, was sitting on a sort of stump chair before, and he sighs and stands up and says, "No, your friend has been taken by the fogs. But if you come with me." We can reunite with her when she finds her way back out. What do you mean, taken? Uh, the uh, bull 
sort of gestures to the trees uh, and says, This bog is not just a collection of trees and plants. It is a being unto itself. It works in strange, mysterious ways, protecting itself with these mists. And sometimes you can learn a thing or two about yourself in the process of learning about another creature. What the uh, hell does that even walking, mean? He starts walking towards uh, a doorway that is in uh, a large tree nearby. Uh, and he says, you will have to find that out for yourself. Okay, well, I'm going to follow I'm gonna follow him. Cause, You're going to follow Bull? Yeah, I don't really have any. I'd love to just, you know, cast like blind person or something. So I don't have that shit, so. Eden, be careful. And I'm going to go ahead and throw for detect magic. Sure. So that is, you can cast the detect magic spell without using a spell slot or components, using constitution as my spell casting ability. I'll be honest, I don't really know fully what that means. You faintly glow a color corresponding to the school of magic you detect. You choose the colors. So, okay. Um, I rolled a 12 plus 2 is 14. Okay. Um, with a 14, uh, it's, you know, it's not too difficult. Uh, this forest is just pure magic. And you, you've seen, you saw this before when you were first uh, encountering the mists. Uh, when you first cast Detect Magic, you saw that this swamp has this magical aura about it that surrounds it. And especially is apparent in those, the mist itself. Even careful. It's magical, just like the mist was. Are you talking about the doorway? Uh, yeah, I mean, also magic. Everything's surrounded in this mist, so it's... it's yeah, I figured as much. Get anything out of detect magic. Well, I... Getting I, a weird I, feeling I, here. Thank you for the warning, Cormit, but uh, I don't feel we have any other option but to follow Ghoul and either gain more information on how we could find Grana or help her find her way back. Then let me lead the way. All right. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna follow this guy. I'm gonna push I'm gonna push even out of the way, and I'm gonna follow between this dude and even. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Bull stands up and walks into this doorway, uh, and even begins to follow him. But then you two have this exchange, and then uh, as you uh, decide to push forward, you see that you can only see a faint outline of Bull now. But you go into this into this doorway. Uh, and let's go over to Grana. So, uh, Grana, just a moment ago, you were hearing about uh, leaving yourself open to what the bogs might do. Uh, and you, you sort of blinked and shook your head and found yourself in the middle of nowhere. You are surrounded by these mists. Uh, and you're definitely still in the swamp. You see these trees all around you, but you cannot, uh, you can't hear uh, Kormis or even you you don't know where they are uh, and you're no longer in the in the village you're not on that wooden platform you are you're in the swamp okay can I roll like perception or something to try to yeah. get my bearings and figure out what direction to go go ahead or that could be survival it doesn't matter they're the same roll oh nat 20 <laughs> very nice uh, okay Grana you uh you look around and you realize that you're in the middle of nowhere uh, and you have this sort of connection with the bog. Uh, you know, you were able to feel that it was unhappy. And in a strange sense, it almost feels like you, your senses are being extended a little bit just by standing on this ground and being around these trees. And you notice that there's something behind you and to the right. And when you turn around, 
you see this sort of ghostly figure that looks like uh, a child from your village uh, who has the waking scourge. And uh, they look out at you, and then they turn around and start walking away. Okay, I'm going to follow the child. Okay. You, uh, you move into the mists, and uh, you notice that you are walking, and you can feel the bog around you still. But the fog is getting thicker and thicker, and you don't see the trees anymore. You just see this fog. And the rest of them will probably be longer, but for right now, we're going to switch back over to Koromith and you. All right. So as you walk in, you see that this hallway uh, goes in sort of uh, two different directions. There's a path off to the right and a path off to the left. Uh, and you see that this this is carved directly into the tree, and you you can't seem to see an end to either of these hallways. I can't see Bool anymore, right? Yeah, you uh, as you enter, you you don't see any trace of Bool. Interesting. I'd like to roll an insight check to see whether or not I can kind of discern whether or not. Okay. I don't know if this is like good intent or not. Sure. Six plus a seven. No, plus six is twelve. 12? Uh, with a 12, I mean, obviously, you feel a little bit hesitant, uh, but sort of like uh, you you don't have the kind of connection that Grana has, but you you can get a feel for what's going on, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck standing up and what have you. This seems to be, when you step inside this this hall, you see, you see a sign that says uh, Hall of Ancestors, uh, and you feel peaceful. You feel like you're, you're not in any imminent danger. Mm. Well, Koromith, this is a bit strange, but I don't feel that we're in any particular danger here. Do you have a, a preference on which direction we go? I feel that it's probably best we stick together. Are you mad? We can see nobody. The hallways are endless. There's no danger? Well, I... Koromith, uh, you, you also feel this sort of uh, peace when you walk in. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Um, sure. Uh, right. <laughs> you want right. to go to the right? Or was yeah. that a right as in, okay. To the right. Okay. Uh, even are you going down the, the same path? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you begin to walk down the uh, the right path that seems to be uh, seems to be pretty long, uh, but you begin on your way, and we're gonna switch back over to Grana. Uh, so Grana, you you follow where this child has walked, uh, and it's getting foggier and foggier. This mist is getting brighter and brighter. And then you hear a noise sort of off to the right. Uh, and uh, as you as you turn, you see Elris, but not Elris in the bog. As you turn, you see Elris and your old home in the Blooming Eitbelf woods. And uh, Elris says, well, that's an interesting way to sort things. Uh, and you realize that you are you are seeing Elris and you are in your home. What do you what do you do? I'm going to say his name, Elris. Where yeah. are we? <laughs> uh, because uh, says, obviously I recognize it as my home, but like I, this wasn't where I was. Yeah. Elris says, that's true. I think you have a real knack for this after all. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check with advantage. Ooh. Nat 20. Oh, are these loaded? Come nice. on, man. <laughs> oh, that was close, too. That was, like, right on the edge of the table. <laughs> yeah, nat 20. <laughs> 21. 
Anna, as Elry says, I think you may have a knack for this after all. You suddenly can see everything else around you, what's behind you. You see yourself. You are much younger. Elry's, in fact, is much younger um, even than when he left. And you realize that this isn't uh, this isn't a vision. This is a memory from your own life. Uh, and Elrys turns to you and says, uh, as he's saying, I think you may have a knack for this after all, and says, tell me, what does the Taragus root do? Taragus root? Mm-hmm. Is this something I would actually know? Um, let's see. No, you can say whatever. <laughs> it's healing, right? It heals people. Yes. It's best for sore throats or for uh, irritated stomachs. Uh, I recommend always keeping a little bit around, especially if you are uh, at a party, for example, or, you know, doing <laughs> one of those other things you wild kids do. <laughs> oh, Elrys. Well, uh, yeah, Elrys got racy real fast. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I'm 12. <laughs> 12. Okay, you're 12 now, Kent. Uh He says, um, have you ever considered maybe studying healing just like I have and just like Mother has? No. I've always thought to be a teacher of our history and our people's history. Uh, he, he nods and he says, yes, you, you do love those books. I think you should think about it. I mean, uh, and he, he places his hand on yours in a very like friendly, uh, brotherly way. And he says, I think that you have uh, a lot to bring to our village. Uh, you don't need to limit yourself to just one thing, Rana. You can be uh, whoever you want to be. Thank you, Elrys. I, I will think about it. And uh, as as you say that, he, he nods and says, uh, feel free to join me in the, the medical hut if you ever are interested in, in learning uh, a thing or two about. Uh, he picks up the route that uh, he had earlier and he says, especially the Taragas route, right? Absolutely, I will. Uh, and as he walks out the door, the fog becomes uh, bright again. Uh, and we're going to go over to Cormith and Yeven. So, Cormith and Yeven, as you are walking down this hall, it almost seems to be getting uh, wider. Uh, it's not necessarily especially well lit, but it's it's not uh, you know it's it's dim enough light that you can you can see fairly well. Cormith, go ahead and roll me a perception check. Uh, let's see, eighteen plus minus one, seventeen. <laughs> I was gonna say minus one. Uh, okay. as you're walking down this hall, you see that every once in a while there's a stand with some sort of artifact uh, or uh, painting or, or something uh, that has a little bit of a, uh, that seems to have some sort of uh, historic significance. Uh, and as you're passing by uh, this green table, uh, you hear these sort of whispers going on, just like... Show yourselves! <laughs> what? Um, I'm right here. There's whispers coming from that table. Show yourselves, cowards! Cormith, have you gone crazy? Did the Do you not hear it even? Too? No, I don't hear anything. This whole hallway doesn't seem weird to you at all. Well, I mean, it's a little strange. We walked into a doorway in a tree, and now we've been walking for 20 minutes. Yes, this is a bit strange. But voices are what you think is the strangest part of this. That you can't hear. I think that is remarkably strange, especially because I can't hear them. 
There, there, God, scrub it. Cormith, do you want to uh, take a closer look at it, or uh, what do you want to do about these? Um, I'm going to ask even if he knows anything about this painting. Uh, it's not a painting. It's so it, when you look over at it, it's a table uh, that has what looks to be a uh, roll an investigation check. See what you see. Ooh, damn, not bad. 17 plus zero, 17. Okay. Uh, you look over, uh, and it's this this green decorated table, and on top of it is a stand. Uh, on this stand is a uh, sort of staff, uh, and it's, it's made of this thick bamboo, uh, green bamboo. And on either end is a hook. There's a smaller hook on the bottom, and on the top is this beautiful, ornate hook that uh, is shaped like the moon and uh, some feathers and the tops of trees. Go ahead and roll me another perception check. Not as good. Nine. Nine? Okay. That's just about sufficient. You start sort of, without realizing it, bending in a little bit closer and you you flash into what seems to be some sort of vision. At first it's a little bit hazy. Uh, You know, it's almost like you have a grainy quality to your memory. But then eventually you find that you're seeing a giant. Uh, Now, your people are uh, descended from giants, uh, but giants haven't really been uh, around very much. Uh, There's some talk that they might live on top of the Three Mother Mountains, uh, but nobody really goes all the way up there because they're uh, exceptionally tall. Uh, But they're Giants are sort of like the uh, ancient heroes for Goliaths. And you see that this giant is holding this huge staff that you were seeing in this hallway. Uh, and you realize that where, where Grana is in one of her own memories, uh, you realize that you are in someone else's memory. And you see this, uh, this giant is walking through this, uh, this bog. Oh, actually, go ahead and roll a perception check to see what you do notice. Seven. Seven? Just getting worse. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're <laughs> losing focus. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not rolling like double nat twenties apparently today. Jesus Christ! All right. Um. Okay. Uh. This is the bog. You don't really know when it is. Uh. You kind of notice that. Uh. One of the like easy things to notice is that there's not the fog. Uh. The fog isn't out. This is just the bog. The fogless bog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you see this giant is is looking over the the trees and uh, walking through the woods, and you hear uh, a voice of somebody who yells, "Promis, Promis, wait up! Uh, go ahead and roll a, a history check with advantage." Uh, that's a nat twenty, so I'm just gonna roll once. <laughs> nice. A I can hear. Let's 20? roll a second time, just see what happens. Fourteen, so I'll go with the twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been really funny if it was like a one. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, what do you even do then? <laughs> all right, 10. <laughs> okay, uh, so you, all of a sudden, as this name is spoken, almost, like, are, are shocked into the realization that this is Promise, like, the legend. Goliaths have told stories about Promise before. I mean, he's not the same as maybe some of the other mountain giants that you have heard tale of, but, like, uh, with a nat 20, you, like, definitely, like, there was a, a time when you were, like, really respected the fact that Promise was such a, a strong, powerful warrior. In fact, there is some word that he may have been uh, part of the beginning of your particular family's line. Ooh, that sounded pretty good to me. I'm going to get down, though, 
because I don't know what the hell's going on. I hear somebody's voice coming from somewhere. It's coming from like somewhere else, right? Like, and I can't see, right? You can see that it's like somewhere farther back into the bog. It's sort of an out of body experience for you right now. So I can yell like, promise? Uh, yeah, you, you yell that uh, and he doesn't seem to respond, but you see some sort of lizard person catch up and go, promise, uh, I was hoping I could walk with you for a while. And uh, Promise turns to face them, and you see that uh, Promise has this big scar down one side of his face, and one eye is completely white, uh, but he moves around as if he can see with both eyes still. Uh, and he says, of course, please, follow me. And they begin to walk off into the woods. And as they do so, you sort of fade back uh, into your body, and you notice that you are now alone in this hallway. So let's flip over to Yevon. Karameth is asking you uh, these questions about this staff and is, you know, talking about these voices. And you're you're saying how you're worried about the fact that uh, he's hearing voices uh, when all of a sudden you hear a sort of whistling sound. And it goes... And it's very faint. But as you hear that, you feel like you have, you're immune to lightning damage, but you feel like you've just been struck by uh, lightning or some sort of icy bolt. Because even though you have no idea where, you have definitely heard that tune before. And you don't know where. Uh, go ahead and roll a investigation check. That's uh, 15 plus 3 is an 18. Okay. Uh, you hear this noise this whistling sound, uh, and you you turn. It's coming off a little bit to your left. And you take a couple steps away from uh, where Koromith is still staring at this apparently whispering staff. And you you hear it again, this... Uh, it comes in whistle form. I'd whistle again, but uh, clearly it's not in my great range. Yeah, you hear that, uh, but not coming from you. Can I can I can I do a performance check and like either like get out my loot or like whistle it back? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, that's a fourteen plus five is a nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Yeah. So you uh, are you whistling it back or are you playing the loot back? What are you doing? I think I'm going to get out my loot and play it back but sort of i don't know i feel like there's there's like more to that melody and i'm, I'm i don't want to think about it too much but i just kind of want to play what what feels like goes with it yeah okay and you rolled a 19 for that i did roll a 19 okay uh so i'll say this you you start playing it back and you do the and then you just sort of play and then you you can't quite remember what comes after that, but you know that there is more. Uh, and as you're playing this, you hear this whistling sound start to get stronger and stronger. And as you um, as you hear it, you start walking towards it bit by bit. And eventually, you get to uh, this part of the tree that this whistling sound is coming out of. And you you look towards it. And we're going to switch over back towards Grana. <laughs> nice. So, Grana, the fog has glowed and taken away this scene you saw before of your childhood. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. 
Oh no, that that was a two plus one. A two. Okay, <laughs> you know a a twenty is just a two plus zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's it feel to be immortal? <laughs> Okay, I got um, lucky, okay. <laughs> That's all. Uh, you you walk forward into this scene and you're a little bit uh, confused and turn around. Uh, you see uh, Elris and you, you don't notice anything that's really changed since the last scene, but you see he is packing things into boxes. Where are you going, Elris? Uh, he uh, turns around and notices you and he says, Ah, oh, Grana, nice of you to, to stop in. I'm heading out. I'm going to explore the world. I, I've heard news of a great college, uh, the, the Gathering Libraries of Gresby. Uh, and he, he shows you uh, this scroll that uh, advertises this grand college. Uh, and he says, I have learned just about all that I can from these woods. And don't get me wrong, this will always be my home. But, well, I mean, the village is in capable hands with you uh, healing and teaching and taking care of them but Elrice, i i don't want you to go you help us so much here uh he he stops uh he's been you know packing up a, a box after he handed you that scroll and he he pauses and he smiles uh and he says well it will be difficult to go even though i am excited for my journey and for the possibilities i i will miss seeing you each day i <laughs> you uh You've learned quite a few things so fast, uh, but I am, I'm sorry I won't be around for some of them. But don't worry, never you fear. I will be only a letter away. Just write to me anytime and I will uh, come back and help you out with whatever it is you need. And do you promise you'll be back for holidays? Uh, he rolls his eyes a little <laughs> and he says, well, uh, we'll see. You know, depends on the holiday. Some of them, maybe. But, you know, I probably won't have a calendar where I'm going. I, I can't just go to the College of Gresby uh, since um, since this is a new college. Uh, everyone must bring some unique information to join into it. So I'm heading across the continent. I'm going clear across Drim, and I'm going to see what I can find out there in the world and then bring it to Gresby. And then you can come visit me whenever you wish. Uh, I'm sure that everything will be just fine. The Empress has declared that all nations may bring their knowledge and understandings there, so we don't have to worry about outside forces coming in and causing trouble. This is going to be a peaceful time. I hope so. Uh, and he, he looks over at you and says, but you know, I'm kind of glad to know that you're going to miss me just a little bit. Of course I am. You're my big brother. Uh, and he gives you uh, a hug. Uh, and the fog brightens again, and we are back to Koromith. Uh, so Koromith, you notice that Yevon is not just, you know, a few steps away. He's nowhere in sight, but you do, you do start to hear, uh, some, some whispers again. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. Uh, 14. 14? Wow, going back up, huh? I hope so, because the other way uh, sucks. You, uh, you stare at this staff. And uh, that's no longer where the whispers are coming from. This seems to have told its story already. And so you walk over and you hear you hear another display whispering to you. This time uh, it is a uh, 
sort of tan, sandy-colored table that houses a large horn. To you, it's it's not necessarily all that large, but it has this curl to it and a, a simplicity that's so so beautiful. And you notice that on it, there is a kind of a, a an indent where you see that something used to go, something used to fit. Hmm, okay. Um, go ahead and uh, roll a charisma check. Ooh, not going to be great. Nat one. Coromis, <laughs> uh, um, before you can even think about it, you just like reach your hand out and like slap your palm into uh, that open spot <laughs> in the horn. And you find yourself in an entirely different place this time. This is not the bog. Uh, in fact, you have only seen this place from uh, up above, and you see Promise uh, stomping through the powerful winds of the great frozen desert. Just to give uh, all of you would would know this, uh, but in the center of this uh, of Drim is what was once a regular desert, and part of it still is a regular desert of sand and heat, but most of it is this frozen desert where the sand is white and it snows and it's it's cold as all hell uh, the great frozen desert maybe mm-hmm. and <laughs> no one ever goes there mm. and you see you see promies uh walking through these winds uh and a, a tabaxi next to him and uh even though they're shouting to be heard over the wind you can hear them uh, fairly clearly in this memory cool you see the tabaxi uh, turns to Promise and says, are you sure this was the right thing to do? And Promise is holding up one hand to block the wind, although uh, he doesn't flinch as uh, the gales still hit his face anyway. And he says, yes, this was the right thing to do. And the tabaxi says, how will we ever see them again? They are connected to us wherever there is a forest and all are connected to the mother tree. Go ahead and roll a, uh, an insight check. All right. Uh, let's see here. That's going to be a one not natural. Uh, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a manas dice. Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Promis uh, looks around uh, this uh, wasteland, and uh, he's sort of uh, facing in your direction when he says this. But he goes, I believe that when there is a and you uh, you begin to hear this uh, wind of the uh, the great frozen desert. And uh, I keep wanting to say the great frozen desert. (laughs) You you can no longer make out exactly what Promise is saying, but you feel like he's looking right at you Uh, and he. He holds up the horn uh, and and touches the spot where uh, this this gem was on this horn, uh, and you flash back into your body uh, as you feel almost as if something pressed into your hand when you touched the horn. I'm gonna take a look down then. Uh, what do you mean? I'm gonna take a look in my like almost like something is pressed into my hand. Like I'm gonna take a look at my hand. Oh. I'm gonna pull it around. Take a look. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to uh, roll an investigation check. Eleven. An eleven. Okay. You you don't see anything in your hand. Uh, nothing has been pressed into it. Uh, but you uh, you feel that strange feeling you had before, uh, where you think 
what Grana said was that you have some sort of magic inside of you. Uh, mm. You feel like that just sparkled in a way when when that happened. I'm going to make a fist, and I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Do you want to do anything else with the horn or anything? I'm going to – I think I'm going to grab both of these artifacts and take them with me. I'm going to make a little note for myself. Because, yeah, like uh, I feel like if you have this kind of like special – Special like acid trip experience with these two artifacts. Like like <laughs> that you need to take them with you. Like something could happen down the line. You never know. Plus that that staff has hooks on both ends. Could be a decent back scratcher. Uh, roll a history check. Okay. Oh, that that's what you're. Thinking. Um, that is a six. <laughs> yep. Sliding back down. Back scratcher. Yep. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, sorry. Roll that with advantage because you knew who Promies was so clearly. Okay. Um, that's a, oh, that's a nine. <laughs> nine. Wow. Went from six um, to nine. Ooh. You, uh, you see this staff and you're like, you, you can make the connection that like, oh yeah, this was Promise's grand weapon. What was it called? Nah. Okay. And for the horn, you look at it and you, you don't really recognize it. Okay. So I'm, um, I'm still like, you said the horn's not that big. So I'm still going to grab the horn. I'm definitely taking this weapon. Like I got that in my hand, like more cutters in his sheath. It's scabbard, I should say. So I'm, I'm going to grab this, uh, this weapon if I can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you pick it up with, with ease. Uh, it actually feels really nice in your hands. Sturdy. Whew. All right. And then do, I'm going to do some like little moves with it. Like, you know, you know, like you would do if you had like a pipe in your hand or something. Like, sure. Roll an athletics check. Oh, hell yeah. Or nunchucks. God damn it, dude. I, I'm even proficient in athletics. Um, so I get a plus five, which gets me to nine. <laughs> What's a few of these nines? You gotta switch your dice, dude. <laughs> I just did. This is a new one. Oh, okay. Did you roll the bad rolls out yet? You know, those electric rollers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Yeah, Cormeth, you uh, you start to swing this thing and you uh, tear an ancient painting in half behind you. Oh shit! Okay. Uh, and it just sort of like flutters to the ground. Um, and then we are going to <laughs> over to Ethan. Hello. So let's see. Last I was kind of heading for something. I don't really know what it was. I hear this tune that is quite literally shockingly familiar and I can play parts of it, but I think it's pretty disturbing to me that I have forgotten parts of the melody Mm -hmm. or how, or how this song goes, you know, being as that's literally my trade profession and I've been uh, playing music my entire life. It's very, very disconcerting. Yeah. That I, I can't I can't piece this together. Uh go ahead and roll an insight check. Let's see, insight. Ooh, hey, I'm pretty good at that. And that's an 18 plus six is a 24. 24? Okay. Uh so you think about this song. Uh, you know, you take a moment. Uh you're you're still sort of plucking away at it uh, on your loot, but you're not moving towards the other sound right now. Just as you take a moment to just crush through your brain and try and think what is this where have i heard this uh and you think back to your time going around uh the southern and uh, western parts of drim and playing in these 
many taverns, uh, you know, going around, learning all these different songs. You're almost running these through your heads, through your head. One, just one. You don't, only the one head. I will, you know, um, you never know. He, I mean, come on. He is a flatterer. Uh, he's good with words. He really does have two. I'm good at lying. Okay. You try and think uh, back more on your past. You think of... Uh, you know, your your time uh, traveling, you think of when you were first learning to be a bard. No, no. You think back to your childhood. No, there's nothing in your childhood. How could there? It's from before your childhood. You heard this song as a baby. Well, that's uh, that's a little strange. I don't remember either of my mothers playing this for me. Uh, you, uh, you began moving back down the hall towards this sound, uh, and, uh, roll a perception check. Perception! Plus, I get a plus three to that. That's a, that's a ten. Ten? Uh, okay, that's enough for you to notice that, uh, you know, this, uh, this sound is traveling a ways, so you're, you're traveling towards it, but you still have a, a little bit to go. You uh, you hear that it's pretty pretty distant still, but you keep moving towards it. Uh, and as you are, you're passing by, of course, these these other tables that hold artifacts. And you're you're walking, uh, and you're playing your lute. And you walk past one table, and then you you stop. You see something that you remember very clearly, unlike this song, uh, but you have no idea how it ended up here. And you think back to one of the last times you saw this crown as you find yourself uh, sort of fading back into some mist. Go ahead and roll an insight check with advantage. Okay, that's a 16 with advantage. Okay, you are in the halls of Governor Chellis. You are in this huge banquet hall entertaining guests uh, as they sort of wander around uh, you know, you're not on one stage, you're just sort of going person to person, group to group, and uh, playing your songs. And uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. That's a 14. Okay. As you're sort of playing, you're also listening around, and you hear a group behind you uh, start to murmur to each other. The Empress has been acting so strangely lately. Oh, I know. She. I don't know how much longer she's going to be, you know, capable uh, and uh, some of the others uh, shush that person. And she goes, well, I mean, you've seen how unstable some of the fringes of Drim are. I mean, it's it's just not manageable. Well, that's that might be the case. And as these folks continue on, you smile a little bit and you uh, roll a second perception check as you uh, look around this hall playing your music. That is a 12. A 12? Okay. You look around and all of a sudden you make eye contact with someone uh, and you've seen this person before. And as you look away, you forget that you made eye contact with anyone. Uh, Since you, uh, as you continue to turn, since you uh, don't, don't remember seeing anything, uh, you catch the eye of Kelroth, your dragonborn mentor. Uh, He nods to you. I'm going to casually approach Kelroth. It's well known that I'm his uh, protege and, and that I've been in his house for uh, quite some time, but I've, I've just gleaned this information. So I'm going to uh, go over to him and say, um, good evening, Kelroth. I, I do believe there is some interesting news going around the courts. Perhaps later we could uh, 
chat about what I've learned. Until then, I believe there are some people to entertain. And I'm going to wink. He is going to uh, put his hand on your shoulder and wink. Uh, and he's going to do a little bit of like hand signals. They're very, they're very like slight, but that you've worked out uh, that says essentially uh, bigger fish. And he winks at you again uh, and then says, oh, God, I need to think of a voice for Kelroth. Thanks! No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Jesus! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please, no, uh, not Garfield! <laughs> no, uh, Kalroth says, All right, son, you keep entertaining this group. I am going to have a chat with our esteemed host. And he pats your shoulder and walks over to Governor Chellis. Uh, and you see him swing his arm around him charmingly uh, and begins uh, leading him a little bit uh, away from the party. Go ahead and roll a uh, history check with advantage. With advantage. All right, that's a 14. Okay. Um, with that, you know that it's fairly common knowledge that the governors around here have a an enchantment. Uh, each of them have a small headdress or crown that they wear that has these uh, powerful stones that help protect them from any sort of harm that might threaten them. And go ahead and roll a performance check. This is a soft 20. Okay. Dirty 20. Um, great. You recognize that it's time to sort of step up your performance. Uh, and so you play uh, and folks are, are loving it. They, they begin to start uh, dancing in the, on the floor and the whole hall sort of goes into motion. And you play like this for a few minutes and you see Kelroth uh, slip back into the room. Uh, and uh, he makes eye contact with you and he begins to sort of cut into certain dances and begin dancing with uh, various people uh, and really working his way into the crowd. And a moment, a, a few minutes after he rejoins the group, you hear a scream. Go ahead and roll uh, one more performance check. One more performance check. That's a 19. All right. Uh, you feign shock uh, as people begin to uh scream that it was the governor kelroth comes up around you and puts his arms around you uh in a protective stance and slips the opal that was atop this crown into your pocket along with the murder weapon that allowed him to take that opal out of this protective crown and you uh, flash back into uh, your current time and you see the empty opal-less crown here in the Hall of Ancestors. Well now, how did this get here? It's been a long time since I've seen you, old friend. Okay, and with that, then we go over to Grana. Okay. All right, so uh, this time, you know, you wander through the fog for a little bit longer um, and you begin to see some of the trees again. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. Oh, God. That's a four. <laughs> a four? Okay. You see Elrice moving through these trees, but he's in the bog, and you don't remember this. And you see that he is going around, taking various notes. The fog is nowhere to be seen where he is standing. And instead, uh, instead of this thick fog, you see the actual swamp in bloom wherever he is standing. 
and he's he's taking notes and making uh, entries into this big journal that he's keeping. Uh, and it takes you a moment, but you do see a huge lumbering figure appear in the shadows. And Elrys turns to this figure, which is uh, towering over him, and he says, Ah, good, you're here. I was just finishing up my notes. I have so much to bring to Garethi to offer to the college, thanks to your help, friend. And as he finishes this sentence, he goes extremely pale when he really gets a, a good look at this creature. Go ahead and roll one more perception check. Thirteen. Thirteen? Okay. This creature is a werewolf, and it is hurt extremely badly. And it, uh, this, this werewolf braces itself against the tree and then slowly slides to the ground as Elris rushes over and says, how could something like, like this to you? How, I don't, uh, and he begins trying to heal up these wounds that cover this werewolf. And the wounds keep reappearing after he heals them. And they keep coming back and coming back. And the werewolf weakly puts, uh, puts his arm up and says, stop. Stop, listen to me. The planes are in danger. There is, there is. Uh, and the werewolf's eyes suddenly turn pitch black as you hear now what are somewhat familiar words. The eyes, the hands, the sword, the mind, in life and death and evil, binds. And as uh, the word binds is spoken, you see that the blackness that filled their eyes drains out of them leaving behind just pure white eyes and this black ooze drips out of their mouth and they are dead i straight up just got some chills that's fucked up what the fuck <laughs> and you see elris elris sort of grabs onto this creature's uh clothes and uh sobs for a moment and then closes the eyes uh, pulls out a, a small flask from his uh, pack and collects some of the black ooze in it. He begins to walk away for a moment, but then you see that this werewolf has some sort of connection to this swamp, and you see that there are flowers growing out of the fur on its back, and he picks one of them that looks like this slightly wilted lily, and he puts it in his hair. And then we are going to go over to Koromith. So, Koromith. Yes. Uh, you are holding this staff and this horn. And as you uh, go ahead and roll uh, one more perception check. All right. Uh, that is a nine and that is a eight. An eight? Yes. Okay. You not are per sitting... not perceiving very well today. No. Uh, you know, you had a strong start. Cormeth, you are startled to find you are looking at Promes, but this time is not the same one that you saw before. This one is older. He's closer to middle age now. Not necessarily old per se, but time has passed. And he is just running, sprinting through the forest with this wide-eyed, wild look in his eyes. And you find yourself moving alongside him, almost as if you are running beside him. In fact, uh, roll an athletics check. Ooh, come on. Um, that's going to be a 23. A 23? Yeah. Cormeth, as you're running, you see Promis stumble and begin to fall, and this shadow is about to overtake him. 
And you haven't been able to interact with these scenes, but you reach out and you grab his hand and you pull him up. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Big pimpin. He, he looks at you for a moment and then it's like you uh, aren't there anymore. And he keeps running. And as this continues, you see that you reach this mother tree that is starting to release some of this fog as demons attack this tree and this forest. And you notice that the dark shade behind you are the forces of demonic energy. Uh, and this mother tree is beginning to fall to this black rot. Promis begins bashing uh, these demons away, pulling out his staff's name for you to hear to bring its full power, yelling, Moon Carver! as he slices through these demons, but there's there's so many. And as the this mother tree begins to collapse, he, for a moment, stops and whispers just a simple, no. And then he drops the staff on the ground and runs into this tree. Uh, and as he's running, you see he's been wearing his arm for all of these uh, adventures. Uh, and you, you see this... Um, copper and brown armor with green sleeves he he takes it off and he throws it to the ground and he beats away the demons and then he braces up on the inside of this tree this tree also has a doorway and you see and he braces up against the side of this tree and he grows he begins growing and growing and his eyes turn this glowing white as the shining beams pour out of his eyes and the tree brightens itself and as he continues to glow this this light chases out these shadows and slowly the tree returns to normal and darkness grows outside and this glow in his eyes finally stops and he looks directly at you and he says ah it's you. Why have you come to see me? I don't know what brought me here. Uh, and he, he says, hmm, perhaps the bog has brought us together for a reason. Who are you, stranger? My name is Cormith Brightspeaker Muthalakume. Mm. You, you mean Thunderbuns. <laughs> That's what it was. I was trying to remember. <laughs> Cormith Thunderbuns Muthalakume. Promise nods and goes, that is an interesting name. You are of the mountains. Yes. This was a giant before, but now he's uh, even larger. Uh, this uh, enormous version of Promis nods, and uh, he he goes, You are of the Goliaths, then? Yes, I'm from the Notalat Mountains. He, uh, he brightens a little bit when you talk about your mountain, uh, and he says, That is where my mother was from. I... Knew it for a very short time before I descended into the valley and she ascended to the Mother Mountains. But it is a strong village, yes? The strongest, yes! <laughs> Go ahead and roll a charisma check. Uh, let's see, all right, come on. That's going to be a strong 12. <laughs> 12? Yep. Okay. You see... Uh, it's not that he's getting closer because he's holding up this tree on the inside, but he somehow brings his face closer to you. Uh, and he looks at you and he says, do you think less of me because of my age? I don't, I don't know. I'm so conflicted. A warrior dies young, but I don't know about the best warriors. A warrior dies young, though. I don't know. He nods and says, 
Yes, you and your people certainly get that from giant culture, but that is why I descended instead of ascended. You see, long ago, I was to be prince of the giants, but I had more to give than a single battle could provide. And even now, many, many years later, I have lost track of the time. I am still providing. I still have something to give. I sense, I sense that there is some of the magic that lives in me, in you, Koromith. Is that what I've been feeling? Uh, he, he nods stoically, and he says, We are giants of this realm. Remember to use your powers well, and be, be the best that you can be. Uh, and as he leans back away from you, uh, you find yourself surrounded by fog. But what about Mooncarver? Uh, and that's where we'll switch back over to uh, Yevon again. Yevon, you, uh, you're in front of this crown still, and you've been so focused on this memory, uh, but you, you do hear this whistling start back up again. I am going to take one last look at the crown and then continue on towards the source of the song. Okay, roll a perception check. Let me see here. That's, uh, that's, uh... Oh, that's in that one. I have no idea where I'm going. Oh, no. Uh, even you, you roll a, a one, and for a moment, you feel almost drunk uh, on this song. And you, you stumble around, and you feel uh, confused. And you don't know where it's coming from. It feels like it's coming from all around you. Go ahead and roll a performance check. Performance check. Uh, that's a twelve. Twelve. Okay. Um, you you start shakily whistling back to this, and you uh, you regain some of your faculties of of where you are. And now you you enter this sort of more cavernous part of this insanely long tree tunnel, uh, and you hear that the song is coming from in here, but you can't tell exactly what part is coming out of. Do you want to roll an investigation check? Yes, but not to find the source of the noise yet. I want to roll an investigation check to find a sort of the like acoustic center of this chamber. Sure. Oh, and I rolled a nat twenty. Oh, nice. What were you? What did you want to do with uh, an acoustic center? So when I find this, I want to start harmonizing with the tune because it's it's playing over and over again, but I can't really tell whether or not it's coming, like whether I'm just hearing it in my head or if I'm hearing it, you know, through my ears. And so I want to I want to play something that is going to like resonate in this area and see whether or not I can distinguish whether I'm hearing it by seeing whether it mixes with the noises from the room or if it really stands out as separate from that in that it's being like played into my head. Okay. Um, are, are you playing the, the song to this uh, place or are you just playing some notes to see if what the acoustics are like? Well, well, okay. So to find the acoustic center, I'm probably just going to start, you know, like humming I mean, or, you, or 
You found what? the acoustic center. You you rolled it perfectly well enough to do that. Um, okay. Once I find it, I'm gonna start playing like an accompaniment to this this melody. Like I I know that it's not really a song that I know, but I feel that I'm well enough versed in like music theory to sort of piece together what would sound good with it. And I'm gonna try and play not the melody, but something that sounds good with it to see whether or not the melody mixes with it into the acoustics of the room, or if it stays kind of separate and hopefully glean whether or not that it's like being played directly into my head. Like I want to figure out if this is like something that's magic, that's like fucking with me in my head or whether or not it has like a, like a physical source, I guess. Sure. As opposed to a magical one. Yeah. So you, you find the center. Uh, and it is precisely in the middle of this round room. Uh, this room is is so round, it's like you're in a teapot, essentially. And you you play in the center, and at first you you take a moment to listen to this this song that is being whistled uh, almost by wind, and you start to try to add in a few notes uh, here and there, and you uh, you begin listening and. Uh, eventually, you figure out a companion part, and as you do, this sparkling light starts to sort of slice through the wood around you, and you you see these beautiful spirals created by this moving light, and you hear uh, music uh, around you and join you, more music than there was before. You hear that, uh, that accompaniment join yours and together you make this uh, beautiful song that lights up the, the house. Uh, there's a couple of, of missteps, a couple uh, points where it doesn't turn out quite right, but eventually uh, these circles create this round sparkling light that is around what appears to be sort of like a knot in the tree that, as you realize, you, it looks like you could remove this knot, like it's, like it's a, a box or an opening. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up to it and see what's behind it, through it. I'm gonna remove whatever's there and see what's up. So, as you touch this, you uh, come to the realization that this song was both around you and in your head. So this is magic, uh, and that becomes more clear as you uh, you look into this sort of knot hole and you see a different forest. You see this beautiful green, lush place with uh, gigantic mushrooms and these little flowers. This is clearly somewhere else in the world. Uh, And you see a small person with long, gray-white hair and this... uh, It's not really a crown. It's more of just a a headdress with these two wings sticking up. And he's just sort of uh, humming to himself a different tune, but he stops and he looks at you and he says, Oh, uh, hello there. Does this person have eyes under a mustache? No. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, hello. Did you, by any chance, happen to hear a song just now? I noticed you were humming one, but it's not its not the one I was hearing. You see, uh, he takes a moment uh, and looks at you with sort of a curious glance and then goes, uh, his eyes light up and he goes, ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's... That, that one. That's the one. What uh, is... He, he, 
Uh, he nods and walks over to you and sort of crouches down, uh, and you get the sense that you're looking up from, like, a tree root. You're, like, your face is just sticking out of it. <laughs> um, and he, he boops you on the nose, uh, and he goes, well, you're not supposed to be here yet. Uh, and he... Yet? Uh, he leans in close, and he says, remember, an angry wood is a bad enemy and a good friend. Remember to be kind to plants. Oh, and one more thing. Please save the mother's tree. Uh, and he picks up a piece of the uh, knot on his side and he places it over your face and you are back in this room. Uh, and as you turn around, you find yourself completely surrounded by the mist. And let's go over to Grana. All right, Grana, uh, you've just seen this memory of Elris around this this werewolf that something was desperately wrong with. And this memory... This memory is different from all three of those other ones that you now step into. You see Elris in his office in Gorespi, but this time it's not like what you just saw a few days ago. It's not destroyed. Uh, there's no rubble. Everything is pristine and beautiful and in place. Uh, and Elris is poring over uh, all of these books, uh, and you see that this Elris, unlike the one that you have been talking to, seems... Not quite unhinged, but uh, on edge, um, you know, sort of panicked in the way that he was when he discovered his werewolf friend dying. Um, go ahead and roll a perception check. 17. Okay. Uh, with a 17, uh, at first when you join this scene, you you hear almost like these distant voices, like they're underwater, you know, this... And slowly it, it clarifies and... You notice that in the corner of this office is this tall elf uh, who is crossing their arms and looks unimpressed. Uh, and you hear Elry start to talk about, as these words become clearer and clearer, uh, that there's this dark magic and this oddity in the curvature of the planes. And you see this elf is just scoffing. And unlike with Elris, when they speak, they still sound obscured, like you can't understand them, and they're underwater. Uh, but Elris still comes through clearly, uh, as he says, there's some kind of demonic influence targeting this world. Look at this plant that I brought from the mother tree. And he, he pulls out this plant, and you see it has that scourge pattern. He pulls out this small rock. Uh, go ahead and roll an insight check. Oh, fuck. Uh, seven. Seven? Four, four plus three. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, luckily, he, he sort of describes it for you, so it's not too hard. Uh, you can faintly make out that he says the words dew and mother tree. And he says, the light of Promis fights demonic influence. And he holds this rock up to the plant and that plants the scourge patterns slowly start to fade. Uh, and you hear this, the elf say something again, uh, completely muffled. And Elris says, uh, I can prove that there is a darker force tying these things together. Uh, and he begins flipping through this journal, this journal that you uh, and your party have carried with you that even found that had those uh, darker notes and etchings in. And as he gets to the page he was looking for, you see this elf is suddenly just right next to him and whispers something. Uh, go ahead and roll an arcana check. Ooh, nat 20 again. <laughs> nat 20. Okay, excellent. You 
see this elf whisper something in his ear and, you know, you can't make out what he's saying, but you know this spell. You see that this elf casts control person and Elry's expression goes blank and he tears that page out of the book, crumples it up and throws it out the window. Uh, And then he begins again from the start. There has to be some kind of demonic influence and you feel a hand on your shoulder. Uh, You turn around and you see Elry's. The one you saw in the woods just before this. He puts a finger up to his lips and he squeezes your shoulder. uh, And the scene around you uh, melts away. And this is Elry's actually interacting with you. This is not a memory. This is is an actual connection that you have. Uh, And he looks at you and he says, You are not strong enough yet for the place I am hidden from you, sister. But you will be soon. In the meantime. I know, Elry's. What do I do? Please do one thing for me. Remind this swamp of kindness. And please, save the mother tree. Uh, And you find yourself in the fog. And as you look around, uh, to your right, you suddenly see there is Koromith. And to your left is Yevon. And the three of you see each other as this fog starts clearing away from this particular part of the uh, bog that you're standing in that's protected by these uh, tight trees, uh, and there are three pedestals, uh, one in front of each of you. In front of Prometh, you see the brass and green armor of Prometh. In front of Even, you see a pendant, the pendant that contains the protective opal that used to be on the governor's crown. And in front of Grana, you see a single seed. Okay, I will pick up that seed. It's Prometh's armor! I'm going to run over at my 40 uh, per turn. So Okay. Um, I'm going to do Grana's first. Grana, you pick up this seed, and you've got your, your gem in the one hand, uh, but you pick this up, and this seed sort of sinks into you, and this big wooden spike appears over your hand. Uh-huh. Um, mechanically, what this means is that you have a shield that you carry in your hand, and you can also use this as, uh, as a weapon. Uh, and as, as this grows and you realize this, you feel one last hand on your shoulder and a whisper in your ear that says, the bog will protect you. But first, you must care for it. Uh, and then it fades away. <laughs> wow, okay. All right. So, Koromith, you run over to the armor. Uh, would you like to put it on? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna take a look, like I'm gonna take a look at it. Almost like it's not even real. Like, like yeah. the ar- this is the armor of a hero. Uh, I, gotta, yeah, I don't believe it's like real. Investigation check. Yes, and I'm gonna do detect magic because I can do that too. Sure. All right. Uh, so investigation check is gonna be a nine. Uh, go ahead yeah. and roll it with advantage because you've been looking at this armor for three visions. <laughs> okay. Um, that's gonna be a nine. <laughs> I rolled two nines. <laughs> you rolled like ten nines. What the yeah, fuck? I have. That's like such a hard score to judge. I know. Well. Okay. Um, you've been looking at this armor. Uh, you you think it's probably the real thing? You can't be certain, but you think it's probably the real thing. All right. I'm gonna then I'm gonna see like like is it is it magical at all? So I'm gonna use uh, up my yeah, last. You, Lingering magic. You, uh, you use your uh, detect magic, and you, uh, you, s- you can't really tell what kind of magic is on it, but you see it's some sort of like 
uh, some sort of like defensive something or other is on there. All right. All right. Hell yeah. Okay. I just said like, yeah, sweet. All right. So yes, I'm going to put that bad boy on. I'm going to see if it fits. Yeah, so you remember watching Promis rip this off as he ran into the mother tree, uh, and as you clasp it on, it fits perfectly. In spite of the yeah. fact that uh, you two were uh, somewhat different sizes, this armor yeah. uh, this armor just fits. Yeah, all right, all right. I'm going to do a little flexing. I oh. am going to pick up the necklace and just put it on. I feel like I probably had a pretty good idea of what it did in the past. I don't know if that's necessarily changed, but I'll put it on and then yeah. and then kind of inspect how I feel and, and whether or not I can tell there's anything different. Okay, yeah, you put this on and you feel that this magic was broken a little bit to get it off of the crown. So it's not necessarily, you know, you're not impervious the way that uh, Chalice was, but you feel like you're surrounded by uh, a little bit more defense. You feel this almost unnatural sense of peace, and all of you take a long rest. All right, it's cool, cool. You know, you all get this feeling of, like, this This suited you, and yeah. Grana, Yvon, and Koromith, you all hear this uh, whisper in uh, in each of your ears. It's, it's a little bit different for each of you. For Koromith, it's, where I stand, demons cannot walk. Please save the mother tree. For Yvon, you hear, an angry wood is a bad enemy and a good friend. Uh, and then Grana, you hear, remind the swamp of kindness. Please save the mother tree. And you hear a strange roar as this shambling green creature approaches. Everyone go ahead and roll initiative. Oh, shit. That's right. Okay. Um, fuck. Well, here we go. Right. Uh, I got 10 on initiative. I got an 8. I got 12. Cool. Y'all are harder to hit now, which is great, because now I can hit you more. <laughs> All right. Son of a bitch. Uh, we are going to start with Yvon. Yvon, you just uh, heard these whispers, and you see this shambling mound coming towards you, this uh, essentially just, like, huge collection of vines and roots in this creature form. Okay. I want to... I want to cast Bear's Endurance on on Koromith. Okay. Which gives uh, an additional temporary 2d6 hit points. Sweet. All right, and okay. I just found out where to put that in. 2d6. Okay, I just found nice. out. Uh, so it's an extra five hit points. I'll take it. That's eh, not, not a great roll, but I'll take it. But uh, it's, uh, it's some, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then it is going to be Karmis. So first of all, uh, I'm going to enter Rage. Come on. I, yeah. I can't, you, yeah. You just can't. Yeah, you just can't turn down a, ra a good Rage, you know, when, when there's <laughs> yeah. one nearby. Um, Go ahead and roll okay. that Wild Surge. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just looking up. Okay, that's a six. Arcane energy taps into the minds of those around you. Each creature within 30 feet of you must succeed on a wisdom saving throw, or you see a glimpse of the creature's thoughts, learning how it plans to attack you. As okay. a result, the creature has disadvantage on attack rolls against you until the start of your next turn. What's the save for that? So 12. Okay, this thing rolled a 13. Ah, damn it. All right, well. <laughs> That's all I got. I also saved, so can't glimpse my mind. <laughs> oh, good good to know you were going to attack me. <laughs> because that's what I learned, is how creatures are going to attack me. 
<laughs> Karana, go ahead and uh, it's your turn now. I want to figure out what kind of creature this is, so what should I roll? Like nature or insight? Yeah, go ahead and roll a, a nature check. That was 13. Oh, uh, roll it with advantage because you've got your connection to the oh. bog. Still, the 13 was better. Yep. Okay. This is definitely a, a plant, and it seems to be uh, sort of a manifestation. So this is part of the bog. It's about as good as you're going to get with that check. And it's definitely hostile, like it wants to kill us. Uh, roll an insight check with advantage again. Okay, that first one I rolled a 19. Okay. Sweet. Okay, yeah. Uh, you have this connection to the bog, and you understand that this is... You felt that anger when you first entered uh, entered into the mist. This is just a manifestation of that anger. So this this bog, you know, it'll if you get in its way or, like, you're in its path, so it's going to attack you. But, you know, it's not attacking you because it's an enemy. It's attacking you because it's a, a very angry forest. Hmm. Okay. I want to try to roll persuasion. I want to try to convince it that we are not here to hurt it. Okay. That's a 14. Okay. You rolled uh, a natural 20 to contest it. Uh, So go ahead and uh, roll a a charisma save. Ah, fuck. That's a four. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You see for a moment, uh, it seems to... uh, This thing is moving about in a blind uh, rage. You sort of reach out to it and indicate like that you are not hostile and you see for a moment it almost seems to like understand and then it's almost like it loses you and it can't keep track of where you are and then it just becomes uh angry again uh but i'm going to uh roll a uh roll a d20 and just tell me straight up and down what it does what it says it's a 17 okay i'll let you know what that means some other time oh no Uh, (laughs) okay so now it is the mound's turn Okay. Uh, so it is going to move into this space, and it is going to try to slam into Koromi. Uh, yeah, it does everything. Fail. So it does not hit. Critical failure. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's going to try again. Uh, this time it rolled a 22 to hit. Yeah, it is. Th- that's going to be 14 damage. Uh, oh, no, sorry. You're in a rage. That's seven damage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Even. Your turn. So I am going to cast Bane on this creature. So it needs to pass a DC 13 charisma check. Oh, you know this char- charismatic shambling mound. <laughs> yeah. It's a nine. So it could fit right in with Koromi. Cool. Well, it it, uh, yeah. it fails. And now whenever this target makes an attack roll or a saving throw, it must roll a d4 and subtract the number rolled from the attack roll or saving throw. Yes. You finally cast it enough that I remember what this spell does now. And I'm very <laughs> proud of myself. It is a very good spell. I like it quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would like to if I still can, try and make a, I don't know, try and do some, some convincing. I don't know if that's going to be a, like a charisma. Uh, yeah, like that's a, a persuasion. Okay. So I'm going to do some persuasion. That's, I got a plus five to persuasion. Shit. All right, Ooh. let's do it. 
Oh shit! It's probably gonna lose. Um, that's a seventeen. Oh shit! Plus, <laughs> that's a seventeen plus five, is a twenty-three. It rolled uh, a five. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it rolled a five uh, minus three, two. <laughs> that is a um, shambling thing. <laughs> that is a shambling. <laughs> uh, okay, what do you what do you say to it? Uh, so I'm going to kind of I'm going to remember that I've been told twice now that an angry wood is a bad enemy but a good friend, and try to. Uh, convince it that we are friends and say we know we know why you're upset we know what's what's hurting the woods the mother tree is being exploited by the stone fist and we can help we're we're friends okay do either of you two want to say anything while uh even is yelling these positive affirmations at this bog no, Cormeth is very confused at what's going on on that front. <laughs> I am definitely going to say we are here to help. We do not want to hurt you, but we will defend ourselves if we need to. Okay. Um, as uh, as you both are saying these things, uh, Grana, your uh, your seed shield sort of like grows uh, some flowers, and uh, even you feel this this opal start to to glow a little bit, and the fog begins clearing away from this clearing and you see that there is this sort of soft light that appears from in the shambling mound as these vines start slipping back and slipping away uh, and retreat back into the bog. And what's left behind is uh, this green uh, woman. Uh, it is a dryad and she, she looks at you uh, and says, you are here to protect the bog. Absolutely. Yes, we are. Can you save the mother tree? We must save the mother tree. She nods. Like, what, uh, what, what do we need to do? We absolutely want to help. Um, she begins to walk over to you. You know, this thing was uh, somewhat nearby. It had kind of, uh, you know, flinched back as uh, things were being said to it. Uh, she walks over to you and you notice she... Uh, she sort of like steps on top of all of this, like, uh, you know, this is a bog, so it's water and plant material. And she just sort of like is stepping on top of that. So she's uh, uh, a little bit over uh, Yvan and Grana uh, and somewhat level with um, Koramith. Damn. And she says, there is an army waiting for you in the tree. If you are not careful, they will overwhelm you the way that they have overwhelmed the forest. I will gather what help I have that remains in the fogs, but you must tell us what to do to take down this tree. Uh, and she uh, she takes uh, each of your hands uh, and she uh, grabs onto you and uh, pulls and uh, you are uh, pulled up into uh, the top of one of these trees. These trees are enormous. You have not seen the tops of one uh, in a very, uh, at all. You know, you could see them from a distance maybe, but you haven't seen them close up. Uh, and you can see over this huge bog where uh, the mist is just gathered around this tree. And you see uh, above all of these other enormous trees is this absolutely colossal mother tree. Um, and you see that in 
those branches are uh, these uh, sort of grotesque, rough-looking structures that have been put in by goblins. And you see them uh, mining away at this tree. You see uh, that there are a few sparkles in the branches, and they're just uh, ripping them out uh, and and throwing them into these uh, carts that uh, trudge them away. Uh, And uh, go ahead and roll... uh, investigation checks all three of you okay so that was literally a nat 20 that slowly rolled over to a two (laughs) that's so sad (laughs) um yeah so i got a two like it it, it just like oh god (laughs) you're like yeah cormeath was like (gasps) and then you realize you're facing the wrong direction away from the tree (laughs) i got a 22 Nice, because I got an eight. <laughs> okay, uh, Grana, you uh, you you're like not as tall as the others, so you're like still sort of climbing up the tree a little bit because you weren't quite high enough to be able to see anything. Uh, but even you know you're used to sort of assessing enemies, uh, so you you notice uh, that there is a large number of goblins, and you uh, you know you you're familiar with goblins all of you are uh, goblins are mostly able to have the effect that they do because of numbers they're not individually all that tough but together in a huge group they can be super effective because there's just like they wear their enemies down by just having like wave after wave uh, you see that there's probably 300 goblins in this mining operation uh, they're bringing it in through this uh, road that they've carved through the bog. Uh, you see that there's uh, goblins. You rolled really well, so you get to see everything. Uh, you see that there's goblins who are just like burning a path through the bog, and they have to do that just about continually because the the uh, bog life keeps trying to grow back in. So there are these just fireballs flaming, like everything is uh, being burnt down all the time. Uh, and uh, there are there's a, a group of cabins off to the side, and there are different barracks where you can see that they have like transportation systems to bring the the magic out of the bog. Uh, and you see all of them are wearing these sort of like gas masks that you saw on the ones that you fought that seem to be protecting them from the fog. And that's where we're going to stop for today. So they are just like strip mining this bog of the magic. Yep. Damn.